Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Does dry January mean I don't have to wash? Who's your favourite pit, Brad, William or Marsh? Happy New Year. It's 2018. That's a fact for you. 2018, a.k.a. Answer Me This Is 12th Year. Yeah, that's a second fact for you. There we are. We're starting the show with two facts within 10 seconds. That's what people love about this show. They're pretty mild facts, so we're just easing you in to the new year. Mm. (laughs) Easily absorbed facts. I often say the listener loves a simple fact because it's something that they can easily join in with, Helen. I've discovered this from doing phone-in radio. If you say, (laughs) what day of the week is it? Switchboard goes mad. (laughs) (laughs) But... On the other hand, if the fact's too simple, then people don't get the pleasure of repeating it to someone else. Did you know? Did you know yeah. it's 2018? They're like, are you okay? You're absolutely right. There's there's no podcast pub trivia skill in saying, you'll never guess what I heard on a podcast the other day. Yeah. It's 2018. So consider this very much a warm-up, mm. rather than the top-line facts that we will give you to repeat to other people. An hors d'oeuvre. A little packet of free peanuts on the plane before they bring you your hot mush. Now, you've been travelling uh, quite a lot recently, so you can you can update me on this, but do they still do peanuts on planes? Because I was led to believe because of nut allergies that wasn't really a thing anymore. Yeah, peanuts and pretzels we got on our most mm. recent flight. All the peas. And the reason you've been travelling a lot recently, I feel it's important to share this with the listeners, now we're actually on separate continents. Yes, we are. You've gone travelling the world. You're international dog sitters, basically. Essentially, Martin and I uh, decided to implement a life change. Uh, Around the end of October 2017, since we were without a home anyway, we decided to be internationally homeless. Because why not, right? So Martin quit his job, and he's now fun employed, and he's fun employed in different countries, while I work to keep him. That's great. We're in the USA at the moment. We're in South America for a month before that. You are. Um, so I'm being serious about the dog sitting thing. You're at, yeah. literally. We're recording this now remotely. I'm in London. Yeah. You're somewhere what near San Francisco, and you are looking after someone's dog. We're in Oakland, and we're looking after our friend Delaney's dog Rita for two weeks. And the fun thing about Rita is that she's the same kind of dog as in the Doge memes. So you can just look at her and imagine Comic Sans words around her face. That is fun. But to be clear, you are travelling sort of open-endedly it's not like you're saying yeah we're coming back in march we're coming back even in in the summer you don't know what you're going to do with the rest of your lives no. basically what's happening now no uh, idea. any suggestions it's quite exciting isn't it it is exciting unless my money runs out in which case it's a shit idea <laughs> now you probably want to know all about helen and martin's international adventures uh, and uh, of course i'm sure there will eventually be a, a series on discovery um, but... <laughs> or a really unbearable tumbler <laughs> two boring white people travel the world in the meantime we're kicking off this year of answer me this with this question from sam in bratislava uh, that's the capital of slovakia by the way i've done the googling so you don't have to and sam says we did secret santa at work. Uh, but why do you sigh, Helen? I've just never heard of a particularly positive Secret Santa outcome from a workplace Secret Santa situation. 
Yeah, it's a bit like the Christmas cracker gift in a way, isn't it? Like, even if you get a really good Christmas cracker gift, you're like, yes, I will use this mini screwdriver set. Mm. At the end of the day, it's never on anyone's actual Christmas present wish list mini screwdriver set. He says, much to my dismay, the person... See, we trade on dismay, Helen. This is looking good. (laughs) Without dismay, (laughs) what are we going to talk about? (laughs) The person who had to buy a gift for me chose to get me a goldfish. What? That is bold. I have a cat at home, as they knew, and I was neither prepared nor equipped for such an unusual gift. Well, you've got a cat and fish, haven't you, Ollie? I have. They're indifferent to each other. So Sam says, I was all a bit cavalier about this at first, commenting that the fish would most likely die the first night that I got it home. But then, feeling I was being callous about the fish's well-being, I decided I would do my duty and care for it as best I can. You've been given a responsibility by Santa. Because mm. Santa sensed you were ready. I have named her dinner, continues Sam, as in the cats. Oh, come mm. on. It's like you're not even trying. Helen, answer me this. Am I right to be annoyed by my colleague's ill-conceived gift? I personally think pets are terrible presents for any occasion unless the receiver has expressly mentioned wanting said pet. Hmm. I think it's fairly legitimate to be annoyed did you just get the fish or did you get the fish bowl as well because if you had to buy the fish tank that's a big outlay i think it's reasonable to assume that the fish came contained in some water somehow yeah but what if it was just a plastic bag full of water or a Mm. tupperware or something yeah because then then what they're giving you isn't a present it's a problem isn't it yeah i mean they're giving you the challenge of on this last day at work where you want to go out and get drunk sustain this life force okay so What's the best secret Santa gift, given that most people will probably get mugs or socks, and people already have mugs and socks, generally? It's got to be something that's essentially boring, that you'd never ask for from your family or real friends, but that you'd be relatively grateful to be given. Oven gloves? I can never find the oven gloves when I need them. Posh olives I'd always be happy with. Yeah, but I'd say no jars of chutney or jam. Chutney? What is it with the British and the chutney? I don't get it. How much chutney do you need in your life? Less. Less than the amount that is in the fridge. I don't know what you need it for. You d- I don't have that much need to lubricate a cracker in my One life. One jar a year is all you yeah. need. And exactly. And if Martin and I ever do have a home again, there's going to be a jamnesty based on how many <laughs> largely uneaten jars of chutney ended up in our fridge because of Christmas, uh, mainly. Blame Christmas. That's amazing. Is that from the brain of Helen Zaltzman, jamnesty? Yeah, that's a portmanteau it's you good. all get to keep. Uh, here's a question from Caroline, who says, Ollie, answer me this. Why does Nicole Scherzinger always fall over when eating yoghurt, please? Even when there is nothing to fall over. Uh, what? She's she's referring to the uh, Muller Fruit Corner ads. Have you not seen these? I've not seen her falling over. I've seen her, I think, in the back of a taxi, uh, going, mmm, yoghurt, mmm. No, you yeah. see, it's interesting, this. In that ad, as in all ads with Nicole Scherzinger eating yoghurt and then putting it all over her face, she then falls over, but you hadn't noticed. So in that ad in the cab, she then gets out the cab and falls over, goes, whoop, and then the caption comes up, Muller Fruit Corner, it's... Dairy for ditzes. Yeah. So that's what she's referring to, is is every episode... It is true that every ad with Nicole Scherzinger, she eats the yoghurt, puts it on her nose, and then falls over. Does she have a lactose intolerance that is really quite severe and very fast acting. I doubt it because she always laughs it off. Hmm. It, the, the final shot is usually her laughing hysterically at her own clumsiness. Does she have like an inner ear problem? I'll tell you what I think it is. Um, I think it started because the sub-brand within the Muller 
corner empire mm-hmm. uh, that was Scherzinger's <laughs> was Bliss Corner. Uh-huh. Now, what differentiates Bliss from Fruit, Helen? It's a feeling of sensuality, isn't it? Uh, is it? Well, no, it's, it's just air bubbles in yoghurt, but oh. you can't make that sexy. Can you? Oh, they <laughs> so, made fizzy yoghurt. So the way that they differentiated the product was essentially to say... It's such bliss eating our yoghurt, it makes you dizzy with sexual urges. That's what they built the campaign on from the beginning. Um, so the whole sort of yoghurt on your nose thing, it looks a bit like jizz. That's what's happening, really, no. right? So Mola. sexy woman, looks a bit like jizz, makes a statement about the sexuality of the product, but then falls over. Now, I think the falling over originally was a swoon. Right. But as the ads have matured, because they've been tremendously successful. I mean, this campaign's been running for about five years now. And she has become really the face of Muller. Her the, nose the, must be rancid by now. The yoghurt-coated <laughs> face of Muller. Um, <laughs> I think as the campaign has matured, it, the, the joke has become that the swoon actually undermines the sexuality because yes. it's slapstick. Well, it's a very common rom-com trope, isn't it? Beautiful, sexy woman. Oh, but what a dit, so you can identify with her. Women yes. don't need to feel threatened. Mm. exactly that yeah and if you're watching thinking oh for god's sake woman it's only yogurt stop pretending that it's jizz you have the satisfaction (laughs) of knowing in a minute she's going to fall over so i mean recently they've got this down to an art i mean the 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 ads at the moment are like eight seconds long and contain all elements (laughs) there was one in the summer that was for uh, pud corner and she literally says "Ooh, chocolate coated balls and then falls backwards (laughs) on her seat that's very reductive it's it's the edited highlights now and I guess as well, I mean, it is a German company, Muller, and I, I suspect there's an element of this translating well overseas. You know, you've got an, mm-hmm. a campaign for British audiences, mm. which has been dictated by international executives. A lot of slapstick. Exactly. And I think international executives understand beautiful woman, sexual metaphor, slapstick. Everyone gets that. It's the Holy Trinity. I have remained unfamiliar with Nicole Scherzinger's post-Pussycat Dolls work. So mm. when I first saw these ads, I thought when she was judging X Factor, is that what she was doing? She was, and she was also playing Grisabella in Cats. And Cat got the yogurt. Cat got the yogurt, that's the famous phrase. So I was just wondering whether on X Factor she had some kind of yogurty trademark that then these ads were playing on. But no, just she's a woman who will do ads. This is tenuous, but um, before Nicole Scherzinger was the face of Muller... Their slogan was Mullalicious. Yes. She was known on the X Factor for coming up with mad neologisms. She was like the Helen uh-huh. Zaltzman of the judging panel. How dare you? So, like, for example, there was a guy called Jermaine, and yeah. she said, You're germazing. Things like that. So, in a weird way, I do wonder if initially at the brainstorm, when they were like, We need a sexy woman to fall over and get jizz on her face, <laughs> I wonder if the reason they came up with her was partly because it sort of made sense that she'd say Mullalicious mm. in a convincing way. You could imagine her saying Mullalicious without it sounding awkward because right. she says awkward things like that all the time anyway. So she's, she's basically being employed for her sort of lexical abilities. Exactly, yeah. Well, I mean, there's numerous facets to it, which is why it's such a hit campaign. I think also uh, you can say things like that if you don't have shame. Are you saying that you'd say no, Helen, to a, a Muller Fruit Corner campaign? Because I bloody wouldn't. I mean, of all the brands you're going to advertise, everyone loves a Fruit Corner. I mean, let's be honest, it is king of supermarket yoghurt. I do love a Fruit Corner, mm. regardless of Nicole Scherzinger. It's number one for a reason. It's number one despite Nicole Scherzinger. <laughs> and you could so easily do that yourself with all of the yes. excess jam that you got for Christmas and a big yeah. tub of plain yoghurt. But After the Jamnesty, 
put it in a plastic container, fruit yeah. corners forever. Crunch corner, get some Frosties, put it in some yoghurt. And yet, it's worth buying the product. I can't explain it. Uh, here's a disturbing email from Andrew and Kate in Melbourne, Australia. Some weeks ago, my somewhat tipsy girlfriend decided that my penis needed a nickname. I imagine this is Andrew, not Kate talking. I assume so. After some musing over a glass of wine, she decided that Ollie Man would be a suitable nickname for my manhood. <laughs> what? Why? Ollie Manhood. Flushed with success, my girlfriend decided her breasts also needed nicknames. She was going to call them Helen and Ollie until I pointed out Ollie's name was already taken. Oh, that's right, yes. Once once you've named your cock after me, Andrew, I, I can't be used again. <laughs> she then decided that Helen and Martin would do nicely. If you must know, Helen is on the right and Martin's on the left. Oh. Hmm. So it's rare that you're on the right of anyone, Helen. Yeah. Is that politics? Yeah, I mean, it was it was a slightly easy dig. In yeah. truth, Helen's not a raving commie. I don't, I don't take it as a dig. And uh, there's a little hammer and sickle shaped birthmark on the right breast. Um, in light of this disturbing story, mm. answer me this. What are suitable nicknames for genitals? And what are the worst examples that you've ever heard of? Okay, the worst examples I can think of more readily because I, I read an article in Cosmo. <laughs> Fifteen hilarious names to call your boyfriend's dodger. So, like, the mm. one that sticks in my mind was Moby. Oh, like that's Moby just, Dick. No one wants wordplay in that situation. Exactly. But you also don't want to think about a bald trip hop star at that point, mm. generally. Unless you're actually fucking Moby, in which case, why nickname his penis Moby? All of him is Moby. Do you think, do you think he's sung, oh, lordy, my penis so hard, whenever he uh, got no. raised? And then another one they suggested was Big Willie style. No. Awful. And then another one was Zeus. It's a bit self isn't it? Yeah. You've really got a lot to live up to if you name it Zeus. Just terrible. Um, well, I know the worst example. And it's also maybe the most famous example. Oh, go on. Uh, in Judy Bloom's novel Forever... Forever is the one that um, was a lot of people's introduction to sexual books. Mm -hmm. And the male uh, protagonist of the book, Michael, uh, names his penis Ralph. Now, Mm. Ralph was Judy Bloom's father's name. Oh! What? That is weird. Why? How? No. I can't... (laughs) No, exactly. I cannot imagine calling my wife's nunny Karen. You just call it nunny, which is appalling. Some of the overly sexual ones for men as well, I find. Like when they're like, cum gun. Ugh. It's just um, like, it's so... Dis- I mean, you're just a disgusting person. Pump action what- custard trucker. Yeah, yeah, all that Do stuff, people yeah. really say that? Well... Yeah, some I, people do. I think, like, Those people don't deserve genitals. I think lads. <laughs> lads say that. I think they do. Lads. I, my wife at one stage did take, ironically, to calling my penis Little Ollie. It was... Kind of amusing. It was amusing. And for a while, we, we stuck with it. Mm. But then it's just so infantilising when you're actually yeah. trying to have sex. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I think any does name little Ollie yeah. want to come out to play? It's like just any, like, name is, any, any name is either infantilising or completely... Like Zeus is completely aggrandised. Yes, it's yeah. a, Zeus There's is the no other end of the scale. Yeah. But at that moment, you just want to, you, you want to feel sexy, so you don't want to be either made to feel ridiculous or ironic. Also, yeah. why are you treating your penis as almost a separate person well that i understand more readily in the male anatomy because yeah, i think it's healthy no but i think in one word erections basically mm-hmm. i think because erections can happen by surprise or they can happen as an indication of sexual interest it's as if it has its own character yeah but i think that's a sort of that's a shock and and comfortable and embarrassing when you're 15 and mm. by the time you're you know 35 probably something that you should become accustomed to yeah of course but that's the joke within a relationship that's why mm. you, people feel like they're being comfortable about it by making a joke about it that's so british though isn't it like that's that's a, sh- that's a clear sign of discomfort if you're still making yes. jokes about it yeah well that's it yeah if you can only talk about your private parts by giving them ridiculous nicknames mm. you know 
Oh, Moby wants to come out and play. What, his fourth album? (laughs) (laughs) If you've got a question, email your question. To answer me at this podcast, googlemail.com. Answer me at this podcast, Here's a question from James in Belfast, who says, As a father of three girls, I have read and recounted many fairy tales and nursery rhymes over the years, and some of them have always baffled me. Ollie, answer me this. What is Snow White's glass coffin all about? Well, if if I can, I know it's controversial to default to the Disney version as the uh, authoritative version, but nonetheless, being me, that is what I'm going to do. And in the Disney version, there is actually an on-screen caption explaining what the glass coffin is about. Is it about the uh, voyeuristic display of an inert young woman? Yes, although that's very much subtext and not what it says uh, in the uh, captions of the 1937 film Snow White. Strongly implied. What it says is exactly this. I'm going to quote verbatim. So beautiful, even in death, that the dwarves could not find it in their hearts to bury her. They fashioned a coffin of glass and gold and kept eternal vigil at her side. But how do you fashion a coffin of glass and gold? It seems like a very difficult material to fashion anything out of. They're miners. They work in a fucking mine, Helen. Yeah. There's gold everywhere. Gold is a very flexible substance because you can melt it, although it is quite soft, so presumably they did an alloy so that the coffin had some structural integrity. But glass, that's a special skill. But gold doesn't tarnish, so it will last a long time. That's I'm not arguing about the gold. I'm arguing about the glass. Oh, the glass. It's a coffin material. Plot-wise, the reason she's in a glass coffin is because that way the prince travelling through the land stumbles upon her, is enchanted by her beauty, and falls in love with her. Hot corpse. (laughs) Exactly. Gross. Fairy Um, tales are gross, aren't they? So, Well, they are, although it's interesting. In the Grimm's version, yes, they allude to necrophilia. You know, there's no question there is pent-up sexual desire... And there's something going on about the man taking a woman in the most vulnerable possible state and by saying he wants to marry her, she's not going to be a virgin anymore. She becomes awoken. All of that's going on, but he doesn't actually fuck her. Well, that's fine. Whereas in the Disney version, he does kiss her and bring her to life non-consensually. In the Grimm's version, the prince sees her beautiful corpse (laughs) and gets his servants to carry the coffin away. Now, it's not entirely clear what he wants to do with her, but thief. presumably bury her respectfully is Grave the idea. thief. I don't know. Probably, like, put her in a special room in his house and pose her in different configurations. It's only because the servants are carrying the coffin away that they then stumble on some tree roots and dislodge the piece of poisoned apple from Snow White's throat, which awakens oh. her. So it's Disney that introduced the kiss, presumably because a corpse waking up and puking up apple everywhere isn't a great way to end. But is this glass coffin... Also, just in part of like a long fairy tale tradition of a passive woman, like although she's the star of her own story, hmm. the crux of it is that she is physically incapacitated. She's just an object of beauty. That's the hmm. value she has to the outside world, rather than her function, since she has no function at that point. And the coffin really is the metaphor that just like rams that home. Yes, and and in the Disney version, they're sort of quite explicit about that. It starts with, someday my prince will come. So it's basically Mm. saying right from the beginning, my destiny as a woman will be resolved 
when a man comes along and kisses my corpse. In uh, an Albanian version of Snow White, the Snow White character, instead of living with seven dwarves, lives with 40 dragons. It's kind of like Game of Thrones. That just sounds like when uh, a father or a mother tells the story to their child and the child's yes. bored, so they just ramp up the... Yes. I've become aware of myself doing this recently because right. something like Snow White, I'm more familiar with the story, so I'm less likely to embellish it, really. But it occurred to me, I've never seen, there's no Disney version of Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Mm. And mm. the other day, Harvey was eating some porridge. And so I thought, I- I'll try this. I'll road test this. He's a bit young for stories, but let's see. Let's give him a good scare. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you the story of Goldilocks and the Three Bears, which has got a lot of porridge in it. Illegal trespassing can be rewarded. Well, this is it. As I started telling the story, I realised there's really not very much to it. Like, the story as I remember it is, girl goes to a house, the house is empty, she tries three types of porridge, she sits in three types of chairs, she experiments in three types of beds and then sleeps in one of them, the bears come back and say, who are you? Uh, what happens? Are they, are they friends at the end or, or does she get savaged? In my version, I just went for the middle road and Goldilocks never tried anyone else's porridge again. And then <laughs> I thought, well, what lesson am I teaching him? I want yeah. him to eat his porridge. Yeah. Don't steal bears' porridge. And Goldilocks fucked off forever. <laughs> and no one liked her. Apparently Goldilocks was originally an old woman. And when she runs away because the bears catch her in the act of trespassing in their home, um, she runs away and breaks her neck. Oh, wow. The Goldilocks version, she tends to get away with it because, you know, young blondes, everyone's like, ah, it's fine. Well, Mm. also because the baby bear, like, again, you become aware in the telling of the story that it's built on mummy bear and daddy bear and baby bear. So immediately, like, there's this kind of gentle element. Yeah. The baby bed, you know, the baby porridge, the baby bed. You're a baby, isn't it sweet? Actually, it is about a criminal. <laughs> it's a really shit criminal. Like, most burglars aren't just like, oh, I'll steal some porridge and, and have a lie down. Do you think this is why Disney have not done an animation of Goldilocks and the Free Bears? Because you think there's ample opportunity for good, fun bear songs, but it's because mm. Goldilocks is not a hero. She's kind of an arse. She's an anti-hero. Yeah, but not mm, in a fun way. She's just selfish. Dream. She's not like Dexter a... of the fairy tale world. <laughs> uh, if when you died there was a public clamour to put you in a glass coffin and on Ugh, display. Gross, no. Would you no but it's not nice, but you know, if the public demanded it, Helen, would you feel like you had the right to resist that? Uh yes. Uh because firstly, I think I don't want my coffin or my remains to be at my funeral. I'd rather just have a wake with all the talking, but I don't need Okay, my... but what's happened to you by that point? Have you thought about this? If you're not there, where are you? I don't care. Like in a furnace, in compost, whatever, medical research. If they need a body for a body farm to train people to excavate uh, crime scenes, that's fine. I wouldn't mind if my skull ended up on someone's desk as a paperweight, but that's about it. But I've always thought I didn't want a funeral type of funeral. But also I've never understood the open casket funerals which are popular here in america that always Mm. seems a little bit too luxuriant Mm. in death and also because of what happens to a body after death there's so much makeup on the corpse Mm. and that seems like a bit of an invasion as well you know painting on a face well it's part of the grief process for a lot of people isn't it they feel it's easier Mm. to say their final goodbyes to a body that looks like they did when they were alive even if that's a contrivance and I suppose that's what the dwarves were feeling. 
you know? Right. Although, actually, if you watch the cartoon, like, so she gets woken up by the prince, who she's never met before. She wakes up. She throws her arms around him. Uh-huh. No apple gets dislodged. There's no vomit. There's nothing. <laughs> no and vomit. she ignores the dwarves for like a minute. And Rude. it's the dwarves to whom she owes her life. Her breath must have been foul. Absolutely. And also, like, a lot of the animals that have been paying tribute to her themselves are rather smelly. Like, she's surrounded by deer and skunks and squirrels and stuff. Yeah, you never consider if the glass coffin is covered in bird shit. I don't know if you've ever helped your mum build a website. It is the kind of torment from which there is no respite. If she asks, what's a widget again? I will kill her with a rusty spike. Or a brick or a spade or a chainsaw. But Squarespace is so easy, even your mum can use it. She can drag and drop and cut and paste, that's all there is to it. So Helen, put that spike down, I beg you, for Christ's sake, don't do it! Sorry, mum. Thanks very much to Squarespace for sponsoring this episode of Answer Me This. And for providing the world with easy-to-use tools to build and design websites. Uh, We like it so much we built our own store with it. AnswerMeThisStore.com, where we sell our episodes, is hosted by Squarespace. Yeah, I mean, our choices were learn web design to set up an online store. Hire someone who knows how to do web design, which would be expensive, and we'd have to speak to people. We don't like to do that, do we? No. Or do it on Squarespace. Took me mere minutes to build that site. I could have done it one-handed, Helen. (laughs) So, like, for example, you can have a setting that's a sale setting. You can say, I want to do a sale where we discount everything by 20%. And you just tick it or untick it, and it makes everything on sale or not. Oh. Stuff that would take a long time. You can do loads of other stuff with it as well if you don't want to sell stuff. It's not the only thing Squarespace is about. You can set up a gallery. You could do a blog if you're still into that. If you want to try Squarespace, then you can get yourself a free trial for two weeks and play around. And then if you like what you see and you think this is so easy, a dog could use it, uh, then remember to sign up using our code ANSWER to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hello, this is Catherine from Leeds. Helen, Ollie and Martin the Soundman, answer me this. My fiancé handed in his PhD thesis today. Hooray! I want to get him a gift to celebrate, but what do you think I should get? Martin, did you get any good presents at the end of your PhD? Uh, Martin, did you get any good presents at the end of your PhD? Oh, this is where I'm really going to get landed, in it? Because it's a while ago and I, I it can't... It was uh, 2004, for... wasn't it? When I handed in. Is it handed in or it was final version? He's, he's just handed in. I remember when yeah. you... I don't remember when you handed in. I remember when you were doing your Viva... Uh, it was just before Christmas. Can't translate for people that aren't academics. Oh, so when you hand in your PhD, you write, you, hand, you write a thesis, you hand it in, and then you have an oral exam with two examiners. You sit down and you talk them through what you've done to prove that you've written it, basically. Okay, so when he had that, what? So that was three hours. So I remember I went and bought him... A little um, bottle, a bottle of champagne. Got him a bottle of champagne. I mean, the thing about a bottle of champagne is, yes, that's fine, but that is almost the very definition of standard issue when someone's done something like this, isn't it? So what can we suggest that's a bit more creative as a PhD present, Martin? And my parents got me a little sort of kind of glass presentation tube so I could roll up my PhD certificate and put put it in there and sort of have it on my desk. That's actually, I mean, it's, it obviously, it's entirely useless in a way, yeah. but it's, actually, yeah. it's, a ni- it's a nice, thoughtful souvenir. It is a thoughtful souvenir. It's, it's something you're not going to buy yourself. Like most yeah. certificates, I don't Where do you put your certificates, Helen? I don't know where they are. Your GCSEs, you don't know where they are. I probably threw them away. I your never Guildhall got Guildhall drama, you don't know where uh, it is. I failed my Guildhall drama. I've got my 200 meter swimming certificate. I've got them all. I never mm. got my degree certificate. 
Really, ever? Uh-huh. Is that because I think we had to pay for it, didn't we? You paid 50 pence for the first one, but I just never <laughs> I just never faxed off the form. Right. Okay. I mean, you've, you've literally never had a job where it's been required. No. No. But most people... Was I, mean, I have people had a few where that needed to show Really? You had to show your PhD? He, he was a university lecturer. Yeah, university lecturer. I know, but I just, uh, I just can't imagine that these days they don't take it on trust by Googling you, seeing your LinkedIn or whatever. You could just lie. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. So they actually asked to see the certificate. Uh, I'm pretty sure they had a photocopy of my passport, my, my degree and my PhD. That's hilarious. Yeah. Okay, so that's maybe, Catherine, the thing you could get your fiancé is something that's, you know, ostentatious and yet incredibly embarrassing for them to have to bring to an interview in the future, a presentation Ooh. sleeve for their PhD. Yeah. Perhaps in gold. Or a huge medallion. Yeah. <laughs> that says <laughs> doctor on it. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant actually having like a little religious scroll rolled oh, up inside the, the medallion. That's an idea. You could get their PhD thesis printed out really tiny and put in a little book that's on a locket. Yes, well, that's interesting. Like idea. one of those prints yeah. you can get for your wall that's got a whole novel on it. Oh, you've got that, haven't you? You've got Black Beauty? We've got Black Beauty, yeah. That's you an could. interesting idea. I mean, I guess the boring thing would be to get the, the certificate framed. Hmm. Yeah, it's um, boring, though. It is a bit boring, but it is significant, and, you know, maybe that's the right gesture. I think your parents offered to get you a bit of commemorative jewellery. You're not really a jewellery wearer, but if uh, Catherine's fiancé is a jewellery wearer, it'd be one piece to mark this special one, achievement. One ring to rule them all. Well, the other th- yeah. Actually, the other thing, would, it'd be nice to get something which was sort of relevant to the thesis. So, you know, either something relevant to the title, like, I don't know if he's a geneticist, a little, you know, DNA... Strand. Maybe find something obscure in the thesis and just reference that. Oh, he's men- men- mentioning oh, come this. Come on. Nu- okay, who, reads, who reads their partner's PhD thesis? I'll get, I'll get a little nucleotide yeah, that you- he mentions on page 732. Yeah, I proofread my friend's PhD thesis that was about. Christ! Uh, I, I couldn't have proofread Martin's because it was written in physics and I don't understand. But I gave him a lot of carbon atoms as the special commemorative gift. But um, <laughs> my friend Miranda's PhD thesis that I did proofread, that was about drug and alcohol assisted rape. So I don't know if there's anything in that that you would want to get as a thematic gift. Mm. I suppose alcohol, but then <laughs> you, you don't want to associate it with alcohol-assisted mm. well, sex of, You could do violence. a presentation box with mm. a little piece of rape in it and uh, a little bottle the... of booze. Uh, yes, as in the corn. Oh, that's an idea. Yeah. It's a type yeah. of radish. That's a nice little... Is it? Uh... Yeah, we did this on the show years ago. Oh, well, forgive me. Yeah. Well, we did lots of things <laughs> on the show years ago. Can't you remember all of the crops? Um, <laughs> We've encompassed all of human knowledge, Ali. <laughs> on the subject of jewellery that you don't really want if you're not a jewellery person. Yeah. Mm. So my grandmother, who's now 90, had her house uh, broken into in the summer by some oh, assholes. Oh. Yeah. Um, and they stole the little jewellery that she had from her bedroom. Oh, God. Um, and anyway, it turns out that when you make an insurance claim on stolen jewellery, um, which he did, you can't have money. Because what the insurance company says is, well, you could just say you had a ring and now you don't have a ring. We can't prove it. We don't know what you had. So what they say is, we'll give you a gift card, which you can spend at... It's H. Samuel is the cheap one, and then it's the same group owns a slightly posher one. Ernest Jones, exactly. They're the same company. So you get a gift card for Ernest Jones and H. Samuel, and she had like two grand to spend on jewellery. Wow. And she's 90. So she's like, I don't need this money to spend on jewellery. I could have done with the cash. Mm. Um, So what she's done, is, which is very nice of her, is she's divvied it up between all the grandchildren and kids and nieces and nephews. So essentially, myself and my wife have... £250 to spend on jewellery oh. in H. Samuel. And do either of you wear jewellery? No. She, and, your wife doesn't either? No. And the, the kind of jewellery that we do like, if we were to buy some, isn't the kind that they sell you in You want matching clowns, don't you? What should I do? You've got to get oh, to Argos. Okay, option one. If she wears 
anything at all. Like, I'm sure I've seen her wear, like, a necklace. She wears a necklace, yeah. So you could get some plain gold and silver chains that she can hang other things on, but they're just better quality than the ones that you buy and accessorise that are made out of metal that leaves a mark on your neck. Yeah. The other thing would be just buy as much gold as you can and then go and sell it to a jeweller that will melt it down. <laughs> buy as much gold as you can. Yeah, for 250 quid. And then wait for gold prices to rise. I'll tell you what I was thinking of doing, but they can't even help me on this. Because I, I, I still, as discussed previously, I still use a personal organiser. I still have a file of facts. Mm-hmm. You're going to get a gold file of facts. I was, <laughs> <laughs> that I was the most hated thing I think I've ever heard. <laughs> I was thinking I'm now at an age where probably if I had a gold pen, you know, which I wouldn't buy for myself, but if I had a gold no, pen... No, you're just going to lose it. I would No, I'm at an age where I wouldn't lose it. I'd treat mm. it with respect. Would you use it, though? I would use it. It would be in my file of facts. I'd use it every day. Mm. And, and then, anyway, I went to Ernest Jones, because that's the posher one. Yeah. Because I thought there must be like a Mont Blanc biro that's mm. 200 quid. And then we'll do it all in one hit. Yeah. Where? There isn't. How much is it? There isn't. The, the most expensive gold pen that... Ern- I can't believe I'm complaining about this. But the most expensive <laughs> gold pen... Your life is so hard. ...that Ernest Jones sell. It was something like 40 quid. How dare they? And I just thought... You don't want to buy several of them. Well, I could afford a £40 gold pen myself. The reason I don't have one is because I don't need a gold pen. No, because no, no one needs a gold pen. I honestly pen. can't think I what. I, like what if I had two hundred and fifty pounds to spend on jewelry? What I would what you'd get buy? Oh, yeah. you, it's hard. You would buy a gift for your parents. Yes, that's yeah. Um, yes, I would. That's right. Um, the other option is if it's a voucher, um, you could sell the voucher on eBay. It isn't. What oh. happens is you go in the jeweler Shit. and they have to call my grandmother personally oh, and get oh, the verification geez. code from the back of the letter they sent her. Well, do it has you, to be for her supposedly. Do you have mm. any? relatives with special birthdays coming up like your mother-in-law yes but they've all just been given 250 not your mother-in-law right she's, yeah, she's, okay. she's a step away True. one thing i did think we could do is get some silver frames like they're 50 quid yeah. each get three nice silver frames put pictures of our son harvey in them and give them to all the family yeah, yeah. we could do that but actually just in terms silver of just frames ugly it's not my taste that's the thing yes i just don't if i had a silver frame if i'd inherited one i'd probably give it to a charity shop because i just don't like them yeah a bit so it's, cold. Just, it's difficult silver spoon just carry it around in your mouth Thanks to First Direct for sponsoring Answer Me This today. First Direct customers are more likely, Helen, to recommend their bank than customers at any other major British bank or building society. How did they find that out? Eavesdropping on a lot of conversations. Which found that out? Oh, okay. Well, that's a, that's an authoritative source. They're a word of mouth hit. They're like Breaking Bad, but a bank. There is quite a lot of complicated financial transactions in Breaking Bad, but I don't think they're entirely legitimate. Spoiler, maybe if Walt had done internet banking and not had a storage <laughs> unit full of cash, things might have been a little simpler. <laughs> Less admin. 
Um, so yes, yeah, so if you if your current bank when you call them are like press one for this, press two for that, here's some hold music that'll make you want to die. First Direct <laughs> aren't like that; they're easy to deal with. Go to firstdirect.com to find out more about their services. Uh, anyway, First Direct have sent us a topical question to answer this month, Helen. Uh-huh. Answer me this: Why do we mostly give up stuff? in January instead of trying something new. I know, right? January is the worst time to give things up because it's bleak, it's post-festivities, <laughs> and you don't want to have like the fun time of Christmas and New Year and then just a big stretch of bleakness to look forward to. So I would tend to have my bleakness pre-Christmas and then load up January with fun things to do. So when we were living in London, we'd book theatre tickets. And we were pretty lazy about going to the theatre any other time of year. Yeah, don't don't go to the Panto in January, though. I still feel that's wrong. We would often go on holiday in January because back in an old job of Martin's, he would attend a biomedical optics conference in California, which is a, a nice place to be in January. And then we'd go on a little road trip. But the, the business about actually trying something new as your sort of New Year's resolution or it's the turn of the year. Yeah. I think often those are two sides to the same coin. Like people will say, oh, my New Year's resolution is to try and eat healthier. And so like the pessimist would say, oh, well, you're giving something up. You're giving up delicious fatty food. But actually you could be an optimist and say, well, you are trying something new. You're trying kaolettes. Kaolettes? What's that, small kale? Yeah, have you not seen them? You can buy them in Morrison's. They're like a cross between Brussels sprouts and kale. And every time I see them in the packet, I, I want to sing, Kaolettes, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Why haven't they got you on the ad campaign for Kaolettes? My uh, New Year's resolution, in as much as I have one, is I want my life to go a little bit slower this year. My life generally has just been a bit manic recently. Yeah. And I want time to read and to think and to play with my son and not have arrangements filling every bit of downtime that I have and allow some time in my life for spontaneity. But for Mm -hmm. all that stuff to happen, I actually need to stop doing things. So it is trying something new in the sense that, I, for example, you know, I could say, oh, my resolution is I'm going to read five novels this year because I only read one last year. But actually, to make that happen, I need to stop doing stuff that I am doing. So it is, it's giving something up to make something new happen. I would like to be the kind of person who's like, my New Year's resolution is to learn how to water ski. You know, something exciting like that. You could do. But you're travelling at the moment, which is quite exciting by most people's standards. Uh, you must have tried all sorts of things. I bet you've already tried new things. What's yeah. the, the last genuinely new thing you tried in the last oh, few weeks? Well, we were in South America, and uh, that's Spanish-speaking, and we don't speak Spanish, so we tried to speak Spanish without knowing how to do it. <laughs> that didn't go that well. Uh, we ate piranha ribs. I'd never eaten them before. I didn't even know you no. could order fish ribs. Yeah, giant piranha ribs. Fish don't have ribs. They've got bones. Well, ribs are bones, Ollie. Get it together. Did it taste a bit like ribs, but fishy? No. I mean, it tasted more like fish, but ribby. What else? I went to the Southern Hemisphere. Did the blood rush your head, Martin? Yeah, I, I was spinning around anti-clockwise. Yeah. We saw Orion the other <laughs> yeah, way up. I saw the Magellanic Clouds. I tried Buffer. I've FaceTimed my mum. Oh, wow. And they've never done that before? No, who'd have thought she had the technical capabilities? Have you managed to get past this stage yet where every conversation is about the technology itself rather than actually having a conversation? Uh, just about. And we've, we sometimes even get past the bit where she's just trying to put the camera where I can see her or she yeah. can see me. I think for those of us who are here in Britain in the bleak weather that you've managed to avoid by going to California, Ellen. Even though that's my favourite weather. I think it's easy to retreat into familiar things. You know, so it's mm-hmm. all very well yes. saying, oh, try something new. 
I've just bought tickets to see Bet Out of Hell live a second time because I know I will enjoy it. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. I did read something ages ago that was saying that if you do want to form new habits or take up new things, then it does work better when there is a kind of landmark of time. So like the start of the year or even the start of a week, new habits that you start on a Monday are more likely to stick than if you're like, hey, it's Thursday, I'm going to give up caffeine. Yes. Do you know, it's funny, my whole life actually, for whatever reason, often it's January where big changes have happened. And often they're things that I've contrived to make happen. So I suppose on some subliminal level, I do feel like January is the time you try something different. When you conceived Harvey... Were you thinking, let's have him pop out in January just to maintain the pattern? No, but it did feel absolutely right that it was January. And like previously, mm. for example, so there was I quit my job to write a play. That happened in January. Started Answer Me This in January. Started Answer Me This in January. I moved into my flat in 2006 in January. Like, I always feel like January is the time to change stuff and do new things. And uh, this year, uh, because our house extension is being built by the builder who looks like my dad, uh, <laughs> I am going to be living with the in-laws. That's a new thing. Ooh, that, that's going to be interesting. I mean, I would definitely choose to live with them out of other people's in-laws. <laughs> sure. Uh, I mean, they're really nice and everything. And there is free childcare, essentially, by having the grandparents in the same building. That's pretty great. But it's just that, you know, living with other adults... Is hard, isn't it? Yes. And, th- and then when when one of the people you're with, i.e. in this case my wife, naturally regresses to a slightly teenage state because she's in her childhood home, yeah. that's going to be tricky as well over a matter of months. So if anyone has any tips on, on living with in-laws, let me know. Well, Martin lived with his in-laws, i.e. my brother and his family, for 14 months. How, wh- what's your tip for Ollie? I enjoyed it. It's different. Different. You're at the same age level, though, aren't you? Not as the eight and ten-year-old. No, but it's different. <laughs> Brother-in-law is different to parent-in-law. You're on the same level immediately. Like you have the same mm. status in the family. Like what I'm doing is moving into a house yeah. where there is a father figure, and I am a father in that house. Yeah, yeah. No, that is tricky. I think the problem for me is that I'm kind of golden boy when I go round to John and Anne's uh, house because they've got three novelty. daughters. And I'm the first man to marry into the family. And I'm the first young man in the house ever, basically. And I'm the father of their grandchild. So there's slightly a kind of like waiting on me, doting on me thing going on, which is really nice, which cannot continue Mm. when I'm actually living there. Like for three months, it's not practical. I'm going to have to do the washing up. I'm going to have to say things that annoy them. Yeah. And and I hope that doesn't shift our relationship completely because I like being waited on. Yeah. Oh, another thing I've done for the first time is pick up a dog's poop. Oh, me too. Because when I was growing up with the Zaltzman dogs, at home we had a shovel, and when they were on walks, they were going to deep undergrowth, so you didn't really have to do anything with it. So I'd never picked up a dog's poo before, and uh, now I have. Ask me anything. (laughs) Hello, I'm Emily. And I'm Charlotte. And I'm Anne. And together we are... The The Bronte Bronte Sisters. Sisters. I've just been on the moor. Have you? I love the moor. It's so very moorish. I know. Why don't we both write questions to answer me this? Good idea. Let's see who gets published first. Okay, I've got one. I've got one. Helen and Ollie, it's me. Uh, it's Kathy. I've come home and I'm so old. Won't you let me in your window? No! Good, all right. My turn. Uh, Helen and Ollie... How did that mad woman get in my attic? Oh, yes, very good. Right, why don't we go and spend two years working that into a manuscript? Good idea. What about me? No, I shouldn't bother, Anne. No one will read yours. 
Here's a question from Anonymous who says, I have a long-standing friendship with a guy whose company I've enjoyed over many years. Our families and wives get on very well together and we've spent many an evening drinking, talking and putting the world to rights. Mm. But recently, after the purchase of an outdoor hot tub... I was not seeing this coming. (laughs) I have been invited over to take a dip. Right. I cannot think of anything worse. What, than sharing a hot tub with your friends? Correct. Why, oh why, would anyone want to share what is essentially an inflatable bath with someone else? What is their cleaning (laughs) regime? What chemical or biological testing regime do they have in place? Well, I can't answer that. I mean, clearly, I don't even know the bloke. I'd say these are adjunct questions. Right. Who else has been in it? And what contagious diseases did they have? Again, definitely not qualified to answer that. Is everyone showering before getting in, or am I being invited to sit in a tub of old bathwater? So, Ollie, answer me this. How do I politely say no without offending? Why do you need to say no? I mean, you've asked legitimate questions. Why don't you ask those legitimate questions of your friend? Anonymous says, I don't want this to ruin our friendship, but neither do I want to spend the evening semi-naked in someone else's dirty bathwater. Can you help? Well, you you need to change the way you're thinking about hot tubs, is what I would say to you, first of all. I mean, uh, long-term listeners of the show will know that hot tubs remain a ambition of mine and one that is never going to be fulfilled because my garden's too small and a repulsion of mine so (laughs) i'm more on anonymous's side but interestingly although i've always wanted my own hot tub and i would never think about the things that you're asking and i would invite people over to be in my hot tub i'm not sure how i'd feel if someone invited me over to be in theirs Mm. that is actually quite i wouldn't think of it as dirty bath water but it's like "Mm, why are you having a party weirdo it happens sometimes on Come Dine With Me and there's usually one person who deliberately doesn't bring their bathing suit so they don't have to go in. Oh, I see. I thought you were going to say so they can sit there naked. No, but it is high risk because then you might get some hot tub owners who are like, it's all right, you can come in in your pants or you can come in in the nude and that's probably even less to your liking. You could buy a kit to test the cleanliness of the hot tub. No, you can't, Helen. Well, you could buy it. I just think it'd be hard to use it without seeming like a twat to your friend. You can't turn up to someone else's party with a bag of chlorine (laughs) and and an indicator. What if I take some swabs? It's not even obvious (laughs) that this is a party situation. This might be just a couple of pals hanging out in the hot tub. Come over for a pizza, try out the hot tub. I don't think there's anyone really that I want to share a hot tub with. I don't feel like that would be a social activity for me. Do you think it's reasonable to assume that if it's a married couple who have just got a hot tub, they've had sex in it. 70% plus. It is quite likely, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And from that point of view, I mean, his questions are legitimate. I think you could fake a medical condition because if you're pregnant, you're not supposed to go into a hot tub. Not sure that applies to anonymous. Um, If you have poor circulation, you could say it's too dangerous for me to sit in hot water for very long because then all the blood rushes to the surface and then I faint. Or you could say, I have an infectious skin condition. I don't want to pollute your hot tub waters. That's quite a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Can't you just say I'm not into hot tubs? Well, evidently not, because this friend is going to be pushy about it. I think the reason is because people are passionate, Martin, about their hot tubs in the same way that I've expressed that I have been over all these years. Like, I really want one. So this friend's probably been like, oh, my God, we've got the hot tub. You have to come over and take a dip. You can't say, yeah, I'm not really into it. I spent 15 grand on it, so you have to. Yeah. It's like, I've got a new Ferrari, come and have a test drive. It doesn't mean, do you want a test drive? It means get in my car so I can show off to you. But I can can relate. I mean, I'm very passionate about hot hot yes and when they when someone someone goes with me and they don't enjoy it i'm like oh that's a shame but i don't i'm not like well if you go five times maybe you'll get a taste for it you're a bit like that no means no 
I, I just think refusal is not going to work because as a non-drinker, saying I didn't want to drink did not stop people trying to force me to have one. Mm. It was only when I started being allergic to booze that people would stop trying to force me to have one. So you need to get the equivalent of I'm allergic to booze for the hot tub, yeah. which is why I think medical condition... Scalable psoriasis. That's what it is, isn't it? It's irritable, scalable psoriasis. And you could probably fake that with a little bit of makeup and talcum powder. Yeah, or heart trouble. You could say you have what I have, which is a heart condition called superventricular tachycardia, which is exacerbated and triggered by heat. It's completely benign, but it's not very nice. So I don't don't make a habit of getting into hot tubs. And then you've got a good excuse. Mm. Okay, superventricular tachycardia. SVT. Enjoy that, Anon. Tony Blair has it. (laughs) solved it listeners if you have a suggestion for how to not get into a hot tub then i'm sure anonymous would appreciate it you could send that in or if you have a question for a future episode of answer me this then all our contact details are listed upon our website answermethispodcast.com our skype and voicemail seem to be really fucked up at the moment so if you want to be sure that we're getting your voice questions at the moment it's best to record a voice memo and email it to us And it sounds better as well. It's a better oral experience for everyone. It is a lot clearer. Also on our website, you can um, find where to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And there are also links uh, to the Answer Me This store where you can buy our first 200 episodes, albums and apps. And on your feeds halfway through the month, there will be a retro episode of Answer Me This taken from the vaults. So you have to subscribe to get that. It's the hot tub of Answer Me This. Some of you will want to submerge yourself. Others will say, hmm, that seems unclean. <laughs> Actually, it's, it's the hot tub time machine of Answer Me This. If wow. you want to stretch the analogy further. Yeah. Wow. What a culmination <laughs> of themes. <laughs> and we will return with a fresh new Answer Me This on the first Thursday of February. Bye! Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com podcast.